Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host. And today we're going to be talking about Magento training. We're going to be talking about getting educated and certified uh, within the Magento community uh, for those that uh, are in myriad of different ways, uh, those that are interacting with Magento's e-commerce software. I'm joined today by Joseph from the Swift Otter team, uh, who's an expert in, in the field. And we're going to uh, dive right in. Joseph, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And it's a pleasure to be part of this uh, podcast. I've enjoyed seeing some of your other episodes uh, previously, and it's a, it is definitely a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so my name is Joseph. Uh, I run a company called Swift Otter. Uh, two words, uh, Swift and Otter to put together. Uh, but basically, I've uh, been doing it for since 2016. I've uh, been in the Magento space since 2011, uh, build websites and also train people on Magento. Very cool. And uh, I'm going to just start us off with one of my favorite questions. How did you come yeah. to the name Swift Otter? <laughs> I love that question. It's a great, it's a great one. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you that otters are kind of my mascot. I love otters. Uh, anytime I go to the zoo, I, I love watching them. I They're love fun. seeing they actually play yeah. and interact that they get play, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and frankly, you go to, you see a lot of the animals at the zoo and very few of them, at least at the the Kansas City Zoo where we go and nothing against them, but most of them just animals kind of don't do much there except for the otters. Like the otters are always having fun. And so, I mean, yeah, otters, they're creative, they're fun, they're smart. And that that's how, that's who I, if I was to be put into an animal, that's who I'd aspire to be like, right? Because that, that's how I want to do business. That's how I want to live my life. I want to be a pleasure to be around. Can't say that's a hundred percent of the time, but you know, I, I, I want to be like that. Um, and so, that's where the otter came from. And then the first part, uh, I want to be swift. Like everybody today, everybody wants and needs things done quickly, whether we're working with a merchant and trying to help them solve a problem on their website and get a response back to a customer or somebody in an email form quickly. Um, that's my goal in, in how I do business. I can't say again that it's a hundred percent of the time, but you know, I do, I do my best at that. And um, and so that's how the Swift Otter came together. Now, historically, it was related to a the agency. I would I put that in quotes because you know helping customers build on on the Magento platform uh, primarily. But actually, recently we've switched the mission of the company, um, kind of moving the agency side to a different name. But the company is now exclusively exclusively coming training related. So Swift Otter, it's it, it's it's funny because it was not necessarily. Uh, specific to a platform, but it's kind of switching gears, but the name still applies. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how we came up with the name. Pretty cool. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I think in our industry, we did an episode a few months back on uh, agile project management mm -hmm. and uh, looking at some of those things. Uh, I, I think it really does need to be baked into a culture that you are looking to be agile, you are looking to be swift. Yep. That. Uh, you know, basically, if you're going to take six months to get something done, by the time that you you finish, uh, the the needs have changed. That you have to keep oh, it's up real. With, with the market. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly real, absolutely. And 
Yeah. I mean, just is getting stuff done quickly. And also it comes back to the minimum viable products, you know, all the, the, these buzzwords, but uh, helping people understand truly what they need and getting it done quickly. Um, so then you can be on to the next thing. And, and, and ultimately, again, like you mentioned, six months, well, if, if a project takes six months to build, not only by the time you get to the end of it, it might be too late. It also might be the completely the wrong thing that was built in those six months, right? So, so yeah, that's where fast becomes crucial, and especially in today's world. Well, in real terms, figuring out when it was time to still be, be building on Magento 1 and when it was time to be building on <laughs> Magento 2 or when it's time to use the, uh, you know, the Luma theme or you know, a more uh, traditional front end with Magento 2 or when it's mm-hmm. time to use a progressive web app, a PWA front end. These that's things, right. depending on when you start your project and when you finish, may not be quite the same. And that's that's a natural challenge. It's not that a project can't take six months or longer, but understanding that at that point, you do need to be focused on what's the minimal viable project, as, as you mm-hmm. suggested, and understanding uh, that, um, that your needs are going to change and you need to pivot with that, uh, you know, maybe... You know, uh, we've seen in the last year or two things like um, payment integrations that standards mm-hmm. changed. And so what oh, yeah. you thought you were going to launch with and what you actually are going to launch with six months later might not be the same. Oh, for uh, sure. So, yeah, yeah a no, lot I, totally. That. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about your background with the Magento community. How did you first get involved in the ecosystem? Yes, that was that was a little while ago. Um 2011 is when I was first introduced uh, with that. Um, I've been doing, it's funny to look at me at, I, well, I'm 31. So I've been doing programming software development since I was 10. So it's in one form or another, and I'm not going to say I was professional by any stretch when I was 10 in the slightest, like nowhere close to it. But um, so 2011 was kind of when I had started down, I'd been doing software development uh, somewhat commercially um, but we had actually uh, had a client that we were working with that was on PDG cart and probably nobody's heard of PDG cart, but it was an old cart software that resided in the CGI bin and permissions were a big deal. And, uh, it was, it was kind of a, a work of art. You couldn't customize anything. Um, left sidebars were the thing, you know, in those days. And, uh, so this customer had heard of this Magento platform and, and we're like, okay, well, never done this before, but they wanted Magento enterprise. And we're like, okay, well, we will do our best to tackle it. And so that's how I was introduced first. There was a person by the name of Lee Saferite. Uh, he works uh, at uh, Blue Acorn ICI now. Um, and he, he, he was one of those heroes in my journey. Uh, and there's a, there's a number of heroes I owe a lot to. He kind of came alongside me uh, through this, this project. And he gave me so much advice. He introduced me to other people, to other sources, um, that's really how I got uh, to appreciate the, the 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 incredible people in the Magento community, and I really mean that some some absolutely incredible people. Um, then it was in 2018, I think 2019 is when we started to uh, when I started doing the training material specifically for Magento certifications, and that's where I was. That kind of really catapulted my interactions with the community. Um, it, in, up until then, it was more if I had a question or 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 a problem, I would go to other people for help. But this is when we started really interacting and and uh, getting to know some the, again a lot more of the wonderful people in the Magento community. Oh, that's really interesting. I've heard this from other people that 
one of the things that really got them to enjoy the the community and the ecosystem, not just thinking of it as a software platform, but it is that camaraderie. It is that ability to get help from others and collaborate, even, you know, people that you would otherwise think that you're competing against, but really there's enough out there for everyone. And, uh, and I, I've personally enjoyed that. And I'll admit that most of what I learned about Magento was all school of hard knocks that like (laughs) you, I, I was thrust into it. And, you know, I, next thing I knew I was training clients on how to use their, their admin and I was project yes. planning, you know, sales engineering and doing things that, uh, and really project to project that I needed to evolve with. And there were cases where until we actually attempted something, we didn't know exactly what the, uh, what the output would be, you know, that right. in, until you tried the multi-address shipping and you say, oh, well, it's a feature in there. And then you realize that yeah, if you, let's say, you know, you're doing with corporate gifts and you're going to send a hundred gift baskets out, you know, on behalf of this company and they're going to upload a hundred addresses, it's charging each order as its own invoice against the credit card. And after, I don't know, two, three, four times of hitting a credit card in a row, you're going to hit that point where it's going to look like fraud (laughs) and those orders aren't going to get paid instantly anymore. Um, Yeah. And until you start to think, okay, well, you know, we thought we had a feature here. We sold you a site with that in mind, but um, now we're going to have to do a little bit of, uh, you know, a a little bit of customization and some digging. And uh, I I could keep pulling examples like that, but I think that a lot of us, that's where we came to a lot of the knowledge that we got. It wasn't something that you really could learn in a classroom per se, at least at the time, because a lot of things that we were doing had been attempted by so few people. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's what makes e-commerce projects so difficult in general is that there are so many unknowns. Even if somebody considers them a ma- themselves a master at a given platform, uh, there is, there's unknowns. There's stuff that just doesn't make sense. Like, how, why does this interact in this way? Or, boy, I never thought of this happening exactly, exactly like you mentioned with, uh, with the payments and, and hitting like uh, velocity filters. Um, that's, that's exactly right. And, and I think that's what, what I have seen over and over again is merchants, they trust is so critical in those relationships. Um, it's, and and that trust is established and built through great developers through these rockstar developers, um, whether, and I've seen my opinion, a lot of the most successful ones are these are smaller agencies and I'm no, no knocks against bigger ones, but when you have like the owner or somebody who takes great responsibility over the entire project, um, that, that trust level is, 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 is critical. And, um, you know, and then that's one of the challenges of scaling an agency is, is continuing that trust, you know, finding those people, it's all comes down to the people whether it's the developers, the project managers, uh, to, to keep those projects going successfully. Yeah, I will admit that, you know, helping to run an agency, I was not getting as much sleep at night. <laughs> um, uh, it's, things, it's difficult. Things weighed on me. I'd stay late into the night often because, uh, yeah, yeah, I was responsible to people for things that, yes. uh, that I needed to make sure happened. And it wasn't like we had a round-the-clock team. We were all in-house in mm-hmm. the United States. So, uh, you know, we didn't, have three different shifts running uh, and those oh, yeah. are those are real challenges that you have people whose livelihoods are on the line that if their site isn't functioning properly 
if there's somebody's paying a price for that. So absolutely, you know, I, I think that a lot of that accountability, um, it, it's a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. it, and so going back a little bit, if you had to slice and dice, when we think about education and specialties, uh, I know that there are a lot of different types of uh, people that interact with these sites. What are the normal categories of those people that, that you normally mm -hmm. think of or uh, let's call it learning tracks, maybe? You know, I know when I go to right. a, a big Magento event, there's usually a business track and, uh, <laughs> you know, and a dev track, a technical track. Um, but I know that there, there's more than that in reality. Um, so right. what is it that, that you normally think of when you have to break this down? I think typically in the development community, we we often think of front end and back end. <clears throat> back in the uh, Magento one days, uh, somebody could be pretty decent at both, right? And when I and actually I should clarify, front end meaning what we interact with in our in our web browser, right? So we we go to whatever website.com and we you know we look through the catalog and we add a product to the cart. That would be the front end. So it's it's the more of the visual aspects of how. A website is used. The back end is more um, how stuff interacts with the database, business logic, um, making certain processes happen, and then also providing more and more the interaction, the layer of interaction with the front end. So that back end versus front end. Uh, so that those are the that's a typical um, demarcation of of responsibilities, but. I've even been seeing it kind of being splintered off even more past that. Backend still seems to be fairly, fairly straightforward. I mean, again, they're writing APIs, uh, they're working through business processes, logic like that. Um, but on the front end, like you mentioned at the beginning, uh, PWAs are kind of shaking up the whole the whole approach. Back in the Magento one days and kind of early Magento two, a PWA wasn't really much of a thing, and 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 it was the the there was yes there was a lot of JavaScript development and JavaScript meaning basically how a the front end, how interacting with a website becomes dynamic. So stuff changes when you click on it, that sort of thing. Um, and and it, a lot of that was pretty simple, but it's become the the skill level necessary has exploded with the advent of PWAs, with the complexity of requirements that are associated with a lot of these new projects. We're working on one right now where um it, it's a very custom uh, quoting process. So you don't, it's not like you just go to see this product on the page and click add to cart or select a color, right? You're selecting a color and you're doing a whole bunch of other customizations to this. And all of that kind of drives into the pricing. So there's a big backend component uh, there. We have, there's obviously APIs that have to be built out to connect the backend with the front end. So the front end can communicate the requirements back for pricing. And then it's obviously then built out as a PWA on the front end. So there's a lot more complexity in that. Uh, that that is becoming required as as we continue to progress into the future. But yeah, pr pretty much to come circle back, I would say uh, front end and back end. Um, but again, front end is is starting to splinter as well. Interesting. And you know, I know that I, I've earned certifications in M1 and M2 when it comes to uh, the overall you know solution specialist mm -hmm. arena. Uh, yes. Congratulations! On, <laughs> I don't know if it was that difficult, but um, <laughs> certainly it felt good at the time. I, I was one of the, uh, I was the first round of people for the M2 certification, so they made me take triple nice. the questions, not knowing which ones they were going to grade. Hey, 
I was too. I was too. Yeah, that you, was you, that was a pain. Did, I hated that pick? test. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Me too. It was terrible. Yeah. Well, there were some questions there that, that at least in that first iteration that I was who somebody didn't get this question right. Like it's a trick question. It's, <laughs> yep. there, there is no good answer here. I hope that they don't grade this one. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get so, that. I get that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, first iteration of anything. Um, and so outside of the developers, do you mm -hmm. find that that there are some of these other uh, users that really struggle or, or really need more of that education on the admin or best practices or other facets of the platform, you know, maybe e-commerce managers, marketers, business owners, uh, others that play a role somewhere in the food chain? Yes. Um, as far as developer stuff goes, obviously very little, right? I mean, most... And that was probably one of the biggest casualties. Well, the two big casualties of Magento 2, if I could say this. Uh, first, that there was no, there's no good, clean upgrade path from Magento 1 to Magento 2. It's not like going from WordPress 3 to 4 and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and that's, that's caused a, cost a lot of money uh, for merchants. You know, yes, they get a clean slate, but I, I and maybe just totally impossible, but I, I have that conversation regularly. It's just that the Magento 2 process is, is, Going to Magento 2 was completely a uh, a redo, uh, and that's this, that's just how it is. Um, and so the the other casualty as a result of that is I was seeing a lot of business owners, like more of the smaller companies, uh, who they were getting into the code and they were making updates. They they had more ownership of their website. And with Magento 2, that's just not as possible. I uh, see so, because like if you make a change to the front end, you have to recompile. Uh, your your static assets, meaning like your CSS and your JavaScript, you have to re recompile all that, which then can take your website down for a little bit. And if there's a problem, it's harder to troubleshoot. So, so that's that's been the challenge. So that's why I don't think developer stuff is is as applicable for project managers, um, company owners, etc. Um, but what I have seen more people going towards is again, I approach this from a certification perspective. Um, and I think we'll talk about my approach there later, but um, is there's there's a lot to know about the Magento admin. The Magento admin is, uh, well, and, and ultimately, I guess by extension of that, the different features that are available with Magento. There's a lot of features that are available that people that few people know about uh, just because they haven't, you know, had a reason to go track that stuff down. And, and so I would say, yes, definitely. Um, it is very important to know your store. And I'm specifically speaking to merchants here. Um, it's one thing for an agency to know Magento like the back of their hand, which is good. But I think it's just as critical for every merchant to also have a super solid understanding what Magento does, every feature that's available. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, if, you know, if a merchant wants to do something in Magento, knowing what it does or what it doesn't do, will save them money because then they don't have to go to the agency and say, hey, I, we need this feature built when it already exists in Magento. And hopefully the agency would be a backstop there and say, well, you know, this already exists or this functionality can exist if we do this, this, or maybe move this around or whatever. Um, but having a solid understanding of Magento is 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 a hundred percent critical. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've I've had a facepalm moment, you know, it's like <laughs> you know, because you see that someone built an extension to do something that they could have done natively. Uh, and oh, absolutely, you know, 
and usually there's a price to pay for that. Of course, not not just the upfront money, but uh, you know you're conflicting with something, or mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have other uh, other long term challenges. So uh, long term maintenance, yeah, stuff breaks. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Since I was just uh, participating in an event with um, the Extension Developer Network (EXTDN), excellent. Recently. Yeah, love those guys. And yeah, fantastic. Um, you know what? What an amazing group of people. And, you know, they were getting together and some of the things you've already mentioned, like progressive web apps, these are folks that are making extensions. And now there are all these different PWAs that, you know, whether it's PWA studio from Magento, um, or it's, you know, view storefront or deity, or, I mean, you could kind of Mm -hmm. keep going and going with all these different options. Now, you know, are they going to basically, you know, expose their extensions within all these these different solutions, you know, uh, basically, you know, come up with, with that or no, now you're really leaving that for the actual developers of that individual mm-hmm. website uh, to expose that and, and make it visible on the front end. Um, yes. And that's, you know, that's something they need to contend with as extension developers, uh, even though, you know, these PWAs are a little bit outside their realm and none of us have really seen one PWA solution, including Magento's own PWA studio, really rise to the top yet that uh, mm. I, I think it's still too early to, to peg where the community will really start going or if there's two directions or usually in tech, we find that there's a limited number of uh, of long-term winners in these, uh, Absolutely. these spheres. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think specifically to the, your point on PWA, uh that's 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 why it's so expensive and I th- I'm guessing that's why s- stuff hasn't been fully ferreted out yet just because it is the number of merchants that are moving you that are using PWA are usually the ones that have bigger budgets and they can't afford to do that and uh there just there hasn't been that consolidation just because it has not reached that tipping point of adoption yet. Uh, and and I'll be curious to see when that happens. And ultimately, just to give a shout out here, uh, the Hiva themes. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, Vini and uh, some folks uh, at Internet uh, recently started pulling uh, together a new theme for Magento, and that looks incredibly promising. Like uh, it's the, the it, to me, it seems like Magento, the Luma theme done right. And and I'll be curious even to see how that 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 takes off as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely. The PWA is, I think it's early. I agree. And has a lot of potential, a lot of promise, but I'll be very curious to see how it kind of plays out in the long run. Yeah, it makes two of us. Uh, <laughs> so maybe take us, we'll take a step back together. And let me ask, where do you normally recommend that people start their learning journey? Have you created some more entry-level uh, materials on behalf of your team? Do you direct people to, uh, you know, to other materials that you think if someone is really new to the Magento platform ecosystem and community mm-hmm. that, that they start their, their learning path, their learning journey? Yes. Um, I would say Magento, that's one of the awesome things about the Magento community. Um, it, it's very passionate of, to share, very passionate to help people out and, and as such, the result is there's a ton of people that write articles. Uh, De- Magento DevDocs, it's, it's, the maturity of it has grown significantly over the past three, four years. It, was, it, was, it wasn't great at the beginning, but uh, they've, they've had some people who worked really hard on it and made good progress there. Um, there's obviously uh, people who help out on Magento Stack Exchange. 
uh, that sort of thing. And so, so I would, I, those are all super good resources, but as far as what we do internally, um, there's, so I've written a course that I uh, like to use, uh, to help get people up to speed. Um, and also the goal, well, kind of, I guess you'd say the end goal is uh, getting, getting certified, getting the professional developer certification. Uh, and, and that's, that was a blast uh, to write simply because my goal is to help somebody on board. Um, but the neat thing is with the community, there's other resources. Mark Schust has a uh, really solid course as well. It's getting started on Magento uh, and there's other resources um, as well. So, so that's, that's the cool part about the community is that people uh, share their knowledge and uh, do their best to help other people through the challenges that the common, especially the common challenges that are faced out there. Um, and one thing I do want to throw out there though, is DevDocs, Magento Stack Exchange, all of those are great resources at blogs and et cetera. But the one challenge I've seen over and over again for beginners, and this is a challenge I faced a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, was a five, whenever it was when Magento 2 came out and I started learning that is what do you trust and what do you not trust? Like what, what resources are good, solid, and which ones are just not good. Um, and, and that's where I think starting with a course is it can be helpful because it gives you that solid starting place. And then it, and it gives you these filters. You say, okay, well, this, this is a good place to start. This is, or this is, you, you start to develop your intuition as far as good answers and bad answers, uh, in that. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that would be what I would suggest to a, a, someone who's looking to just start out in the Magento community. Yeah. And I think you've touched on it a little bit right there, but for people that are getting more advanced, you know, I know one of the challenges is that you just hit on it, that uh, this stuff is in flux. It's changing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's evolving. Uh, yes, it is. Do you have any favorite communities for, for people to watch or um, other suggestions or recommendations where they can stay up to date? I know there's there's a lot of us out there that are creating content, but uh, what mm -hmm. is it that, that you like to look at? Um, to really feel at, like you're keeping up to date or to reference. Um, and I know that, you know, you're staying at the forefront in order to create your own materials. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I honestly, Magento dev docs are one of my favorite resources. And the trick that I like to do is when I go look at, like I'm on a project and I need to solve a problem. I need to look up some documentation, go there. And I, and sometimes I'll just browse the dev docs for a couple extra minutes, just Try to pick up some extra things, and there there's so many hidden tricks there that is really really helpful. Um, this seems basic, but I like to browse, look through the release notes every for every Magento version, uh, just to stay up to speed on that. And it, that makes a great interview question, by the way. You know, because uh, the really passionate developers they're going to know at least generally speaking what were the major features that were released in a Magento 2.4 Magento 2.3 whatever mm -hmm. um in 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 keeping up with that is is absolutely critical um yeah and, following blog yeah Go i mean I, I think you know i write these blog posts every time there's there's a new version release in order to yep. help jetrails clients stay up to date on some of the major impacts you know understanding <laughs> that they won't all get through all the dev docs all that quickly but i can scan that for them and give them the reader's digest version, so to speak. And, yes. you know, there are things that I want to say, you know, I lose the exact track off the top of my head, but um, somewhere around, uh, you know, in the last year, maybe 2.3 some odd, they introduced uh, an upgrade path to go from uh, Magento open source to Magento enterprise to Magento commerce. 
with as more of an admin feature and they've already deprecated it. <laughs> and, you know, so we see those kinds of things, you know, that. Yes, that they, was a good idea. Yeah. You know, core bundled extensions, um, mm. you know, that go in and then they come back out that I think that's part of the challenge. If you don't go back to the dev docs that you plan around a feature that was there a year ago um, and that's already uh, maybe it's still there, but it won't be there for long or, you know, you wind up with those kinds of challenges that uh, I, I think the, the content's great and sometimes gives you a much better understanding of the who, what, when, where, why and how. But you right. still need to go back and make sure that technically speaking, that you're on the right path. Well, and that's why what you're what you're also saying there is just ongoing maintenance, and that's that's one of the the costs with Magento because maintenance is a part of that. You have to um, keep it up. You have to install the patches, and that's why Big Commerce and Shopify look attractive to some merchants, simple because they don't have to manage that maintenance. And obviously, what they're giving up to an extent, obviously the extent is arguable, but is is the customization, right? So they, you know. Magento being open source, every single character of code of the hundreds of thousands of lines of code can be modified. I mean, you can literally change anything you want. Uh, and it's just not as possible with Shopify or big commerce. Now, you know, it is to an extent, but not as. And so, but that is a cost that merchants have to accept is, is yeah, there is this feature to include uh, Magento commerce. Uh, you know, stuff's going to change, stuff's going to come and it's, possibly going to go, I guess it's less likely it's going to go than, than come, but uh, mm -hmm. that's just, that, that is how it works. Well, and usually once things are going, there's often some kind of a, a good technical reason for it. You know, it's, it is mm -hmm. something that's deprecated, that's old tech in some way. And, uh, you know, and so it's done for, in everyone's best interest. Um, sometimes, you know, it's commercial based on, uh, you know, deals being done, things like that, like the core bundled right. extensions. Those are things in partnership with uh, with Magento, with Adobe. But uh, but by and large, I think that it is nice to maintain that freedom because, you know, so let's say that um, there's an extension or an integration that you want uh, that's not available with Magento or that gets pulled. Well, just because it's not a core bundled extension anymore doesn't mean that you can't go and install it yourself from the Absolutely. Magento marketplace or what have you. Yep. With something like a Shopify, they pull MailChimp from the app store. You're not integrating MailChimp anymore. Uh, that was it's a done. fun one a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, yeah. there are all these unique differences to... I mean, it's just such a different environment going from open source and manifest destiny to SaaS yeah. and and really being, uh, you know, uh, giving up the reins to a lot of that and not <laughs> always uh, to choices that you would have made yourself. Um, yes. So yes, nothing against. I think that there's a good case for all of them and stock prices <laughs> are doing well and it. You know, there are also developers realize that things are still changing, that there's absolutely more maintenance to happen with a Magento site, but it's not zero maintenance with these others that I remember big commerce going, you know, changing theming systems between, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, s Blueprint and Stencil and, uh, you know, uh, Shopify changing things like ripping out their old inventory API, replacing it with their multi-address inventory API. So any integration that you had that was reliant on that needed to be rewritten. Um, not the end of the world. This is all natural, but e-commerce is evolving. It is in flux. And, you know, on the other side of the fence, I find that people have a harder time 
understanding what their responsibilities are, that the apps that they choose that, you know, with a with a, a SaaS platform, you can't install extensions. You you can't have that, that control. So now you wind up installing, uh, you know, dozens in some cases of apps that have access to all sorts of data that you really don't want them to. Uh, they can slow down your site. They can cause security risks in terms of what they can, you know, basically, you know, that, that they have control of what's displayed in certain widgets and, and areas of the front end. And uh, if they're hacked or abused, you know, you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. uh, there's oh, a yeah. lot going on there. And you're paying them all monthly fees as opposed to extensions that, yes, you do have to maintain. But uh, by and large, for most of those, you're paying more of a one time. So you have mm -hmm. all of these. It's it's just such a different choice to make. Um, and if you bottleneck with Magento, you can generally code your way out of it. You bottleneck with SaaS. That can get pretty difficult. <laughs> you you yes. can't necessarily code your way out of every problem. Um, so I, I like, you know, so, some of that conversation in the market. I think it's pushing the SaaS companies to continually improve and uh, and elevate. Um, and that's good for everyone. I, I like seeing tech challenged. Um, but I, I think that the Magento community has stayed strong with more of those mid-market and enterprise players that have the uh, the resources to benefit from an open source platform. And, and I think that that's particularly interesting. And so thinking about those resources, from your experience, what is the difference between a more basic developer and a rock star? You know, you've mentioned a few people out there that helped you along the way or, or that have really stood out. How do they get to where they are? Is it just sheer experience or are, are there other things that really help someone to up their game? Yeah, I, I I love talking about that subject uh, simply because so I've uh, recently I'm finalizing a book called The Art of Debugging uh, and it's, it's targeted at e-commerce developers. And it's not all legit, all about just how to debug, how to solve problems. It's the first five chapters, the first part of the book are spent talking about what does it take to be a great developer? Um, and and I do my best to make the case it's not just about X number of years on the job. I was we were recently working on a, on a fairly large project uh, and there were some really good developers who've been working on it for a long time. Uh, and they, they would definitely be considered senior developers. The, the quality of the code that they put out was, was not great. Um, and, and so it, just because one's have, has had what's 10 years even of experience on Magento does not make a great developer. What does make a great developer, uh, and I love Elon Musk's uh, comment here. He said uh, he was, when he was, they're hiring for SpaceX, you know, basically like rocket, uh, rocket engineers. Um, it, he, they're looking for people with super hardcore work ethic, talent for building things, common sense and trustworthiness. And that is literally what I spend the first five uh, chapters of that book building out. Those are that that was critical to make a rock star developer. The the skills will come, and it comes through experience, right? So, oh, I have I've had to deal with this this difficult problem, and yeah, it's et cetera, et cetera. It it, it will it's that comes, but um, it it is greatly accelerated with that that the character and the characteristics of what I call a great developer, but really is through being a rock star, whatever rock star developer, whatever the term is. Um, it comes through that willingness to approach problems, to solve problems, to 
to see a, a ticket through every step of the way, knowing how and when and who to ask help from when necessary, um, having a solid framework embedded into their minds for how to approach a problem, how to dissect it, how to get to the bottom of it. Um, that's what I believe makes a, a really a rock star developer. You know, that's interesting that I, I tend to, of course, agree, but I think that from, from my experience, there are all these, these different layers to it that, you know, you need to, as you hit on, you know, some of it's understanding how to ask the right questions at the onset. And, mm-hmm. you know, so if you don't get a good user story and understand what the stakeholders really want, uh, yep. the, how are you possibly going to produce the right thing? So being inquisitive and, uh, and spending a little bit more time there, uh, you know, in discovery. But then I think, you know, a lot of it being, look, <laughs> if Magento 2 wasn't launched when it was in 2015 and it's stuck yeah. in development longer, if the devs were able to hold it back, which I'm not saying that the devs had any control there, but, uh, you know, it's okay to say that something's not ready to ship out. Um, yeah, we wind up at JetRails. I was chatting with, with some of my teammates recently. Uh, you know, we've noticed more devs that have been switching over still from M1 to M2 having challenges with deployment. And some of them, occasionally, we run into somebody that's still not using version control. You know, like GitHub. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we run into folks that are manually deploying um, all sorts of things, and and that's okay. Uh, but we're, you know, we're working internally to try to best support our partners and, and developers and folks that, uh, you know, there are some hosting platforms that really give you one path for deployment and it's very rigid and limiting. We come in and we ask you, what's your deployment process? Uh, yes. Which, you know, we think is really healthy. But there are those cases where it's not as defined as you would think from seasoned developers uh, and so there, there's this meeting in the middle of, okay, well, you know, obviously we're, we're going to need to uh, to make sure that, that everything goes smoothly here for the client's sake. Um, but, you know, what might normally be a developer question uh, starts to come back, uh, you know, toward, toward the host. And uh, I think that there's a lot of that that happens in the market in general of figuring mm-hmm. out <laughs> you know, who, who's going to... Uh, take ownership of this, or, or what is the base standard for this? Uh, and like I said, because things are in flux, uh, there isn't always that one solid answer, or because things are up to personal preference, it isn't always about one path. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about figuring out exactly what's best in this instance and in this deployment, yes. you know, whether we've got someone up on an auto scaling AWS environment or someone that's, uh, you know, on a, a, a single server that we're managing different animals, different beasts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, but uh, how do you think that some of the training and education fits in when it comes to happiness? Because I've seen a, a lot of these things, it, it really has an impact, not just on the client who's frustrated, not just on, you know, folks like our support team that uh, that I think weathers it particularly well when, when there's a challenge that we we love to you know, to, to work closely and, and help to clear roadblocks for people. But for developers, I see them, you know, sometimes just miserable when, uh, when they're stuck somewhere. Uh, do you find that, that this sort of thing that, that having either resources to rely on or, um, or the right training or maybe a mix of a few things really has an impact on 
uh, on those kind of metrics? Because I see people burn out sometimes and I feel terrible about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, being in e-commerce is tough as it is, right? I mean, I think uh, merchants, they, they have to keep the, the lights on, the doors open, uh, the website running, all that is critical. Um, so that's important. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I would say overall, every way uh, training is important. I think uh, from a developer perspective, the companies who invest in continuous training, who set the, uh, and, and, and for example, one aspect that I most, I very commonly see in training is certifications. Uh, and and certifications can be, are important uh, simply because, well, they're most valuable is when the, there's study that has gone into leading up to achieving the certification. And I always tell people the study leading up to the certification is 90% of the value. The other 10% of the value is uh, the certification itself. I'm not trying to devalue certifications. It's just that uh, for a developer personally, the value is so much greater getting into it and studying. So um, what I, and through that process that I've taken basically every Magento 2 certification except for one, the endorphins that are released in my brain, and this sounds funny to say, but I, I come across this new solution or this piece of code. It's like, wow, I had not a clue that was in here. I had no clue it worked like this. Uh, and so the agencies or, or even merchants who have in-house developers who are continually pushing their developers into learning and tackling difficult things and, and all that stuff, um, that's where I, I've... It, it makes happy developers. Developers love to be challenged. And from what I see, they like challenge almost more than bigger paycheck. Like, yes, I mean, all of us like bigger paychecks, but the, the it's, it's one of the biggest things I see people leaving companies, developers leaving companies is because the challenge is not enough. Uh, even if the pay is great, the challenge, I'm bored. Developers have to be challenged. Learning is a great way for that challenge to happen. I know a good five years ago, developers that didn't want to keep working on M1 because they knew that that was the way of the past and they didn't want their skills to, you know, to lose, you know, sight of, of the end goal of staying at the top of the industry. Um, yeah. They wanted to, to stay sharp. And I think that there's absolutely that drive. And some of it, you know, might be gamification, uh, you know, that we like to win. I, I can recall my wife after I told her some certification that I got, you know, whether it was a marketing one or project management or, you know, e-commerce or whatever it was, uh, you know, she said to me something like, what do you do at work all day? Like, are, are you playing Pokemon? You're going like gym to gym, getting <laughs> badges or something. Right. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Okay. Well, now you know what I do all day. So uh, it, it is, there is something that feels good about achieving something um, about, proving that not only did you study the material, but you studied it well, that you absorbed something. <laughs> um, and I think that pushes you to really absorb more of it than just pure skimming. But I'm with you that it, it's really about the journey of learning than it is about the badge that the, you know, the, the certification itself, while on some occasions it might open some doors for you. Uh, I don't think that that's for most people the big challenge. Although I will admit that having been on the other side of the fence, um, I wasn't always excited for uh, for coworkers of mine to go get certain certifications because then they'd start to get job offers and other things that were hard for us as an agency yeah. to compete with. If you think about it, an agency has to mark up the labor in a certain way 
um, you know, that that makes sense. A merchant who's making $100 million a year off their website may not have that same constraint in ter terms of their profit on that individual employee and such. And so we would wind up competing even more uh, for some of those employees who were then like getting called by headhunters and so there, there was that a little bit, but you know, I, I never want ever, ever, you know, wanted to stop someone from getting educated or or bettering yeah. themselves. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't basically saying trying to uh, turn on the faucet for, <laughs> you know, for for them to be getting calls for with other job offers. So you know, a little bit, uh, you know, it's a balancing, uh, yeah, juxtaposition there. there to be stuck in, um, and it definitely had some impact, you know. I, and I know a lot of the things that, that we've talked about have to do with sort of, you know, learning from the ground up, even some at some midpoint in the process. What do you recommend if someone, you know, they've looked at the dev docs or they've looked at something, they've looked at study guides, they, they can't figure something out. They're stuck somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I know that I'm pretty active with the Magento community forums, with Quora, um, you know, there are other sites like Stack Exchange um, out there that are more developer focused. Where do you typically recommend that people go? Uh, there are Slack groups, you know, related to Magento for the Magento Association and community engineering. Um, is there anywhere that you uh, would generally, you know, recommend that people go if they're really stuck somewhere and they, they don't know where else to go? Yes, absolutely. And before I fully answer that question, one thing I do want to call out is probably the most uh, underused way to get answers from Magento that I see. And that is, ironically enough, Magento itself. Magento is open source. And um, we're, we're just doing a developer survey, um, uh, swiftauto.com slash survey. Uh, and for any, any developers who are listening to this, we're, we're trying to figure out what, what are the common environments that people use, the developers use when building websites. And what I am seeing thus far is that uh, there's a lot of developers who don't use some of the most important, develop, uh, important tools necessary. Uh, and in those tools help unlock the capacity to use Magento as a as a tool as a tool for understanding how it works like um instead of viewing magento as a big beast with hundreds of thousands of lines of code and it is don't get me wrong but magento is an incredibly powerful source of answers for itself um that said i do recognize that there is questions uh that i've had i've had those myself uh, and that you just can't figure out um, magento stack exchange in my opinion seems to be to, uh, more easier answers uh, easier questions and answers. Many of those can be, uh, would be probably able to be solved in the Magento code itself. Many, not not all, but many. Um, as far as the more complex stuff, the community engineering, I think that Slack is a great, Magento community engineering, great resource for getting into more of those hardcore answers. Uh, you know, another thing that I recommend, and it sounds kind of dumb, but it's the rubber duck, right? And I'm, I'm sure most people have heard of this. Go talking to a rubber duck, call a colleague, you know, and and walk the, the, them th through such a problem. Uh, it's amazing how much clicks when one just speaks the problem out loud. And us as developers, we're silent, right? I mean, we're listening to our tunes. We're 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 working on slaying these dragons and, and solving these problems, but we don't usually say a word while we're doing it. And and 
getting out there and actually using our vocal cords to uh, to speak about this problem. That's a, that's a way of solutions right there. And even some of the most complex problems I've ever had have been solved with rubber ducking. The, the solution is right there inside my head. It's just somehow vocalizing it brings it to the forefront. Oh, that's fantastic. I don't think I've ever quite heard it said that way. I've got a Magento rubber duck somewhere in the background here. Nice. For anyone that's, yes. that's seeing the video version of this as opposed to listening to the podcast. I, I probably have talked to that rubber duck a couple of times, but that, that wasn't about a coding problem. So, you know. A whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. We won't go yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there are open source problems out there. What are your thoughts for users that are on Magento Commerce? Do you think that their best bet is still going back to a lot of those places and methods that we've we've just chatted about? Or um, are there cases where they might be better off going to some resource direct from Magento for some kind of uh, you know getting question getting answered or, or training or insight? Yes. Um, commerce can be a whole different can of worms. Uh, it's simply because uh, there's a lot more, con- there's some more areas that are just not hardly touched. Like very few developers know uh, about target rules and how to customize that. It just because it's, it's hardly, you know, it mostly just works out of the box. And I think that's one of the values that commerce does bring is they has a lot of really valuable f- extensions and it works out of the box um, pretty much. Um, Obviously, there's Magento support that would be available uh, for some of those more difficult problems. But again, you know, a lot of this comes back to solidly identifying the problem and understanding where it's happening in the code. And and, it, and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the book Art the Art of Debugging is because of it helps solve these these type of problems. It gives you the tools, the places to go look at for identifying even the most difficult of problems. Uh, and so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty much otherwise the same, other than the ability, the addition of Adobe support for some of those most complex issues, like troubleshooting bundle products or a problem in in the admin related to bundle products. Uh, yeah, so that those those would be that would be my suggestion there. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I know that anytime that you go to a more generic support team, you get that challenge of they're not going to know the site as well as you, your developers. Uh, you know, that they're not exactly a one-on-one consultant digging through uh, in the same way that uh, a private developer working for you will, that that they're generally going to give more blanket answers, more, you know, prefab kind of resources in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's folks like you that are out there that are really, um, whether they're they're open source or commerce, I suppose, that, that are going to need to dig in um, and often, you know, find that more because th- these are usually one-off problems. I mean, I'm sure there are some cases uh, I've seen somewhere it's a bug and that just needs to be reported through the right channels in the first place uh, to mm-hmm. maybe get some prioritization on on getting a, a bug fix with the next release yep. or such or an early patch. Um, but uh, you know that that's that's kind of an, an interesting. Uh, area, I, I suppose that, you know, just figuring out what the nature of the issue is in the first place, that if you go asking for support before, you know, if it's related to an extension, if it's a core issue, if, if there's something else going on. So in terms of debugging software, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know that we love on the hosting side to spin up stuff like, you know, New Relic and Blackfire and all these, these great solutions, uh, that are going to monitor in different ways for different kinds of bottlenecks or errors or issues. Do you have any favorites? Um, any words to the wise there? 
as far as uh, it goes for uh, debugging uh, software tools yeah, yeah. That, that you think that people should you know potentially look at because i think that's one of the major challenges we'll wind up where our support team might you know have an open ticket that's kind of going in circles where we're saying doesn't appear to be a hosting issue it looks like it's in the application code but the developers don't always have the right tools to reasonably uh, find what the source of the issue is to figure out what line of code, what extension, what uh, where the, this uh, this issue is deriving, and that's what's going to push them around to every every support channel that they can, trying to find someone yep. that that can locate it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, okay, let me put it this way. So, in that survey I mentioned, uh, and I'm, I'm doing my best to get as many people to uh, to, to to share their their thoughts there. Um, I am seeing, and this is a surprising number, that twenty over twenty five percent of uh, developers do not use or know of a, a tool called Xdebug. Xdebug is a uh, software that ties into uh, PHP that allows you to step line by line through the code. You're able to see what all the variables are. You're able to see um, the, the what's called the call stack. So every method, and I know we're getting a little bit deep there, uh, every method that has occurred up until this point. And so the big picture is that this is like discovery for a developer, like nothing else. And uh, so that would be, that is the number one tool. And, and again, as opposed if it was, to some of the things I was mentioning, like New Relic that have licensing costs, Xdebug is, um, is free open source software, is, right? So- it is yes. No reason not to use that. Uh, no even reason on a small project. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it is absolutely uh, phenomenal and critical uh, to to use. And so I, I recommend using it all the time. Um, and yeah, so that's that. I use it all day, every day. Like that is what I use to to help solve problems. And of course, uh, New Relic. Um, I know. Black uh, yeah, I, I recently wrote an article about um, Magento speed optimization, and I polled uh, members of the community, and uh, you know, it was inter- And I didn't know what they were going to come back with. I asked them basically, "What's your favorite uh, tool for speed optimization?" Not specifically debugging, um, and you know, I, I got things that related to content delivery networks and speed tests and caching and you know, load testing and all, all sorts of things. Even you know, just following best practice and going back to the dev docs. But yes, yes. I thought it was interesting that, you know, I got people responding multiple with New Relic. Uh, you know, someone wrote in about Blackfire, someone about Tideways, which uh, I haven't spent as much time with Tideways myself. But I think that it's particularly interesting that even for speed optimization, that uh, that a lot of these experts in the community were coming back to debugging in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's another thing with Xdebug. Um, and actually... Because of this, I I I'm we're doing a course, a free course, so it doesn't cost any money. Called Mastering Xdebug. Um, there's uh, using the Xdebug profiler, so that is a great way to to see what is taking a long time with this. I took a quick story here. There was a uh, we we're working with a merchant, and um, they they hired some other uh, some work out on their website, and so we were coming in after the fact. And they reported that their category pages were incredibly slow. Okay, they're slow. Well, let's let's try to troubleshoot this. Again, Xdebug coming to the rescue. Um, we were used that and the profiler, i.e. seeing how long all these methods takes just so that we and how much memory they use. We were finding that every category page 
loaded every single product. And there was thousands of products. So every product was being loaded on a given category page. The fix was very easy. It was just, it was poor development. And, and it could have come back to even a senior developer possibly could have missed this. I'm not hundred percent sure there, but it, that is that profiler gave us that perspective in, into what was going on. And, uh, that's where having knowledge of those tools is absolutely critical. And if there's performance problems, if there's debug or problems to solve, X debug is probably what, uh, what it, well, probably nothing. It's, it's literally what a developer is going to use to solve it. Awesome. I'm going to have to get a little more info from you to throw in that article I've got up there, but, sure. uh, <laughs> but for sure, we'll put in the, the show description for this episode, show notes, any, uh, links to any of those free resources you were mentioning, because that's always fantastic. I know people really appreciate yeah. that. Um, now, for the, I know we talked a little bit about the certifications, not the be all end all, but uh, I know that sometimes, you know, not everybody finds that uh, that they're great with exams. It's not everyone's forte, which is reasonable. Um, we're all different learners and, and all respond differently to those kinds of things. Do you find that amount of hands-on learning is necessary to really do well with those exams? Do you think that someone can really learn it all from a course and then go take the exam? Or do you think that in the case of a platform like Magento, that they really do need to spend an amount of time working to really absorb or understand unless they just have like a, you know, a photographic memory? <laughs> yes. Well, that's the thing with Magento tests. Up until this point, uh, there was a man by the name of Peter Manajak, who uh, was kind of the brainchild of that effort. And Peter was, uh, in the test that Peter puts out, which is basically the entire repertoire of Magento tests at this point, those are incredibly difficult tests. Uh, they are almost entirely made up of what's called scenario-based questions. In other words, it kind of tells a story and asks you to answer the question. And so... Uh, I was talking to somebody recently. They were talking about another test that they were taking, not a Magento test. And they were like, I, I literally did not know anything about the platform. And I went through and just answered the questions because the distractors were so dumb. Um, and so that, the Magento tests are just not like that. Uh, they, uh, they, they're they solid. They are, uh, they are difficult. And so uh, hands-on experience is 100% required. When I was helping write the, the, you took the solution specialist. So when we rewrote that test, it was funny. Uh, the way it would work, someone would write a question and someone else in the room would read that question and answers uh, just to kind of, you know, so we don't, the, the writer doesn't like sugarcoat, make sure it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good question or like everybody accepts it. But there was a number of times when writing that new solution specialist test that people will just the whole room of all these experts would just break out laughing because they had been through that problem. They had, they had seen it and they had, it, it, it was so real. And so absolutely hands-on experiences is, is totally critical to passing it. And, 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 and just in with like the, the courses, those, those will help accelerate the amount of hands-on experience necessary, the good ones. And the good ones should have practical experience, practical projects, things that, you know, get you in the code, get you in the admin, uh, and, but there, and again, there is no, there is no substitute for doing this stuff that the test requires you to know about. You got to get in there, got to do it. And that's where I was saying earlier, the value of the tests, I'm going to, I might be a little bit dramatic here, but putting a 90% value on the study, the preparation process, that's where the value is. 
Um, and yes, the certification is proof of that. So ultimately, you know, maybe it's more than 10%, but, but I, I focus in on that study because that's, that's where the value is. And how long do you think, I know that there's absolutely no perfect answer for this, but if let's say, you know, an agency wants to have a timeline for, you know, getting people like running a contest, I, I know some interesting folks that try to run contests around getting people Magento certified. I don't know if you do though. <laughs> yes. Yes, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's segue to that for a second. I'll come back to my question right after. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I, it's funny helping people get Magento, getting certified. It, I probably shouldn't limit myself to Magento, but helping people get certified. I, I find it to be incredibly fulfilling because it makes a difference. It, it makes a difference, encouraging people to sit down, to take that time, to be consistent. And, and so that's why I've, we're, we're, at, we're finishing up, wrapping up the uh, 2021 Swift Auto Challenge to become a Magento certified. And it's been incredibly, uh, incredibly successful. Uh, people are, I did it last year and I did it this year. And I, I can't remember how many we're up to as far as people who've gotten certified. It's, it's a ton of people already this year and it makes a difference for them. They're, they're proud of it. Uh, and I also have, as part of that challenge, I have a pretty, a really large Slack community that's growing and thriving of people talking about getting certified and the challenges they're facing in that. And then they post there and, and, and people are incredibly excited and it's motivating um, in that. So yeah, it's, there's been a, a tremendous amount of, um, of uh, what's the term? Uh, oh, I'm, the term's not coming to my mind. Uh, the, of 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 a mutual motivation uh, of through that challenge, and I'm really excited. And of course, I'm giving away a couple Apple Watches too. So, you know, it might be the lucky winner there. Nothing wrong with that. Look, I remember it's going back a few years, but uh, yeah, I could had Google certifications for years, and uh, they ran some kind of promotion where you know they sent awards and different things for people that passed all the exams. So I found myself by a certain date, and you know that gamification, that motivation, mm-hmm. that okay, well, you know, I don't know. I keep not getting around to this, but I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to make the time that, you know, getting certified in Google shopping and video ads and all these different subsets along with, you know, Google Analytics and other things that uh, knocked them all out within, you know, I don't know, a week or something and and felt good about it. And that'll, that's going to take me back into the question that I, just, <laughs> that I paused. <laughs> yeah. About how long does it take? Like, so when you run this challenge, how long do you give people to study and then schedule and, and take the exam? What do you think for, again, now we've already hit on that someone should have some hands-on experience first, but uh, how long do you think it really takes for someone to be able to study and, and prep? Because some of these questions really they're nuanced. You know, I know from muscle memory where I would go in the Magento admin to do something. Do I remember exactly word by word, the pathing, the routing to get there through all the different steps? Um, Some things, yes. Some things I might scratch my head and I want to pass the exam. (laughs) So some of it is memorization. Well, actually, and I'll I'll push back there just a little bit because um, on the Magento tests, the old versions and and the one you took, um, I think the first round, yes, there was a lot of memorization there, but Peter's emphasis has been very much to focus less on memorization because anybody can memorize facts, but it's, it comes from this personal experience of, uh, in like an example of, let's just throw out, I'm going to completely make up a question here, but it's be something like a merchant, um, is trying to, um, do X, Y, and Z in, in Magento. Like, how would they go about doing that? And then there'd be four answers. And one of them would be something like, 
is uh, there's a change this setting in store configuration. So it's not necessarily a specific path. Uh, maybe one another one be install a module to do this. Another one would be flush the cache, whatever, right? So so ultimately the the questions on on the tests are designed to invoke uh are designed to be relevant to one's memory in the fact that okay I've done this before and 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 the good news is this is not less like picking out four paths four store configuration paths and saying this is the one that it I that would be very difficult for me because memory is not my forte um so so that is can be a positive thing but on the other hand I, I find it actually makes tests more difficult simply because uh, you can't just memorize a bunch of facts like a cheat sheet and go expect to pass the test because it just doesn't happen. As such, the preparation becomes all the more important. Well, I find and, that and ideally you don't even know exactly which questions you're going to be asked and in which order. And uh, it becomes more difficult uh, to know exactly yep. that it's more about concepts uh, yeah. and a good exam like that, uh, where you really do have to have the fundamentals that you, you, you can't uh, you can't, you know, fake the fundamentals. Mm -mm. Oh, you can't, you absolutely cannot. And, uh, it's people, people I've seen senior developers fail the, the easiest Magento test. It, it's just, it is what it is. Um, as far as the hands are, what does it take to study and prepare for the exam? Uh, my biggest point is consistency. Um, whether it's 15 minutes a day, whether it's 30 minutes a day, every day that one does not study, I find it takes away from X number of previous days of study. Like it's, it, it has a cumulative effect of erasing that you're in the mood, you're, you're working to, to study for this. Uh, okay. So the, the certification challenge, uh, last year I did it for, I uh, was at three months. I expected you to have your certification scores in by the end of March. Um, that was of course the COVID year. Thank you. Uh, and so it was, it was, uh, we, I extended it um, this year. I also extended it. So we're, I'm requiring scores to be in by the end of May. And so far we've had not had another global pandemic hit. So we're probably going to be able to, <laughs> we're going to be probably able to, to hit our end of May deadline. Um, and so I find that five months, but probably more like three to four months is usually is a good average. Again, with 15 to 30 minutes a day, probably closer to 30 minutes a day is a good average for somebody who has been in Magento there. They are, uh, how do I say this? They're they're familiar with it. It's not like you know, okay, January one they just signed on with a with a merchant or an agency, and and then they're they're supposed to pass the test by the end of May. That's that with for somebody super ambitious. Yes, I'm going to say that's possible, but uh, for every most everybody else, not that people other people aren't ambitious. It's just that we have life, we have work. It, it's just hard to fit stuff in. Uh, that would be a lot less realistic. Interesting. I mean, I, I'll admit that for the solution specialist stuff, which it sounds like is, you know, I took some dated exams, but uh, I'll admit that I crammed that stuff that I, I only gave it a few days uh, yeah. in advance because, you know, at the time running an agency, uh, that's what I could do. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I could give it. Um, so maybe, maybe you know, some of it uh, we'll, we'll just blame on luck, but, uh, but I, I could well, see where you know, I, I knew that if I was training one of my coworkers on it that hadn't had the time that I'd had in, you know, in doing what I was doing, there was no way. Uh, that was just, there were too many areas to be experienced with, um, too many concepts to be familiar with, uh, that, that I think that at that point, that really is uh, a lot of the challenge. It's, 
Yes. You know, it's that it, like you said, it, it really is a lot of competencies that you're expected to have in order to get through one of these exams. This is not a walk in the park. Mm-mm. Well, uh, you and know, one thing to, th- and, and I walked out not knowing if I passed. So maybe that's, <laughs> you know, maybe I have a little more humility than I let on on the podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's one thing I, I, I do throw out in some context is that, you know, failure is not the worst case approach or uh, worst case outcome from a trying to attempt a, a test. Uh, and if one feels like it's worth it, you know, and, and ultimately it comes down to the value of time versus money. Um, and if, and if one's time is worth more than 300 us dollars, then, you know, one can go sit down, do some cramming for a day or two, take the test. If you pass, you just might've saved yourself a couple months of, of some consistent work. So, so that is definitely an option. And to be frank, I've done that myself. So, um, you know, it, it does work. And, uh, but for many people, you know, if you are working with an agency and the agency says, Hey, I'm going to pay for this test. And some say, some have the stipulation, if you pass it, um, it's, it's, it, it, it carries higher stakes with it. And thus it warrants the additional study time. And again, it's not like the study wow. time is, is worthless, right? Because you get so much uh, value out of it. Absolutely. And look, you know, in terms of some of those agencies, if you're a paid Adobe partner, paid Magento partner, there are expectations that you're going to get a certain number of people certified. So mm-hmm. it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that there there is that push, uh, yes. that drive, um, because, look, you know, you're paying for that Adobe partnership. So you want to get your money out of it and you want to uh, check all the boxes. And if you want to move higher up in the rankings, uh, same thing, you know, you need to be referring enough people for Magento Commerce. You need to be, yep. uh, you know, getting enough people certified. You need to check boxes in order to to really um, see the the long-term benefits uh, of going that particular partnership route. So uh, I, I've seen that certainly help the numbers there. And I've seen some agencies do some amazing things in terms of the number of, of team members getting certified. And media types at the way. I mean, they those guys crushed it. Like, was it that last year? Yeah, I think that was last year. I think so. Totally crushed it. Now, uh, you know, some, you know, Joel and his team, I mean, I, I don't remember if that was, that was probably before the, the Blue Eggcorn ac- acquisition. Yep. They did some, some really amazing stuff with it. Uh, you know, I've seen some others where, it, you know, they, they take it real serious. Um, mm-hmm. And look, education's good. So I'm, I'm on board with that uh, concept. You know, speaking of Adobe, um, beyond the branding, has the Adobe acquisition had much impact on these, you know, these different learning avenues and certifications. I know that, you know, I went from being a Magento certified, et cetera, et cetera, to being like an Adobe expert. There's, you know, new badges and branding and things. And it sounds like tests have been uh, getting certain upgrades. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that has to do with the acquisition, but what has been changing in the last, you know, few years as it relates to, to all this, or has it been you know, pretty much just staying the course, pun intended. Uh, good. That was a good pun. I like that. Um, yeah. So from my perspective, at least from what I've seen, things have stayed pretty much the same. A lot of the Magento core team has left. Uh, and so we're, it's, it's, it's with, it's with a new team and ultimately time will tell, uh, I think as far as how, how much value Adobe places on it. Uh, and they've, they've made good commitments toward that. And, and they, but again, time, time always does tell on that. Um, I think the, the changes to the test, the certifications have been very minimal. Uh, 
but a couple of things first, like you mentioned, the names have changed, the badges have changed. Um, the other thing is the time to take a test has changed from hour and a half to two hours. So that that's actually been really helpful. I think it's helped other, other people take the test. But as far as for everybody else's perspectives, uh, if you're not if you're not necessarily planning to be a test taker, I think the value of the test remains pretty much the same as well as far as uh, people are uh, as as far as people are concerned. It's it's there's solid tests and um, and they will be going through an update cycle eventually. Uh, and well, actually, the other the other update on that and this was this caused a lot of confusion. Partially, that was partially my fault. Um, is is the question of whether they expire or not. Or, or how one handles that, uh, because ultimately, I get certified with this. I got certified with a first solution specialist, um, and uh, that was what 2018, I think, August of 2018, maybe. And ultimately, is that certification still as valid or relevant today as it was back then? And that's kind of the age-old debate. Some people handle that uh, with expiring certifications. Other people would do that with versioning them, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that. We are we are we understand that in 2021, i.e., this year, Magento or excuse me, Adobe will make a decision on that, and of course, they will let everybody know. So uh, that that is probably the biggest change in the pipeline that is that is coming as far as what happens with expiration and certifications. Excellent. So when I need to go certify again, basically, we're going to do another one of these, and I'm going to ask you every question that I'm uncertain of, and I'm going to that's going to be my cramming. <laughs> well, sure, we'll we'll see what we can do there. Yeah, and. You know, I wonder, there are certain areas that I commonly find that maybe not enough folks in the community are, are as well-versed as as would be ideal. Uh, do you find that maybe there are some areas that as things get refreshed that they really should or need to be added? You know, I, I know that I, I run into a lot of folks um, vis-a-vis, you know, hosting partnerships here at JetRails that their understanding of PCI compliance it could probably use a, a little bit more work. Um, their mm-hmm. understanding of GDPR and certain other regulations could probably use a, a little bit of leveling up. And that's not to say that these people aren't aren't phenomenal experts in certain arenas, but like we'll get requests to do things to hosting environments that would invalidate PCI compliance or that would oh, yeah. have other issues. And that's that's kind of constant. And at that point, you know, we're we're having a debate about something that uh, that ideally shouldn't be up for debate. It I should be an, an obvious. Do you find, is that an education issue from your perspective? Um, you know, are there some of these things that maybe we, uh, you know, we provide a very base level as a community, but that, that should be more required? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think as far as education, that's really important. I, again, coming from a very technical perspective, the couple of the things that I find are usually more or less related to performance. So you mentioned more or less compliance, the legal aspects, and I'm, I, I'm sure you guys deal with that a lot, but also on the, uh, the technical side, for example, how one handles, uh, well, performance optimization, we've been using uh, RabbitMQ, like message queuing. We've been using that a ton in our recent projects, and I see hardly any anybody else doing that. And that is such a phenomenal way um, to, to push expensive operations out of, uh, of of a web request. So for example, you save a product uh, and, and instead of doing some expensive calculation or process or reconfiguration, well, example, that re- that project I was telling you about um, that we've been yeah. working on. You're, really- you're taking the weight off the database and, and you're putting yeah. it into RabbitMQ. Oh, I, I love it. You know, we've got, so it's, 
it, it is worth it because it's native integration now, just like Elasticsearch mm -hmm. and so many other things have, uh, have come, become part of the stack. I think that it's, uh, it's definitely something that more people should be utilizing. And we are, at least for our segment of users, we're seeing more and more using it, which is interesting. And even those that are using other messaging queue services, like from Amazon, from AWS, you know, mm -hmm. we've got both. They're using, uh, you know, Amazon's queuing. They're using, um, you know, RabbitMQ, which is a VMware nice. product. They're using that um, and in different ways. But because of the native Magento integration, they're benefiting mm -hmm. there from, from Rabbit. I think it's phenomenal. But, Absolutely. But you had this, yeah. this interesting project uh, that, yeah, yeah. that you were mentioning. Yeah, real quick. But basically, um, part of that is we have to build this massive uh, JSON array. We have to build this, this data object. And for some of these products, like a configurable product with like a shirt, you have, I don't, one of these I think has 130 different colors. So 130 different SKUs that uh, the merchant will ship from their shelf. It becomes, again, a very expensive operation at loading time in order to calculate this and to build this data object. And so RabbitMQ, it, it push, makes it asynchronous. So when you save the product that we can pre-calculate that, but it doesn't affect the admin load time or the save time for when the admin clicks save the save button, it just pushes it off into a background process that, that runs at some later time. Usually it's within a second or two, but it pushes it off. And I, I find that that incredibly valuable. Uh, a lot of the newer features with Magento, Elasticsearch, uh, that's kind of a big dark secret that, uh, you know, a lot of, un and ultimately comes down to from a merchant's benefit, uh, understanding how to optimize search results. Mm -hmm. Very little is known about that because it's complex. It, I, it totally complex. And honestly, Magento's implementation is not necessarily ideal in, from my perspective, at least with the work I've done on that. Um, well, using I, the API, yeah. being familiar with to that. get it where you want it to be for sure is is everything that I hear on the street. Is <laughs> you yeah. know that. Have people that think that it's plug and play and it's it's ready to go. You know, if, if you're looking for that, maybe you know, go to one of the players like Search Spring out there that, that's oh, going yeah. to do a lot of that for you. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of them that, that do some real good work. But yep. you know, if you want to use Elastic, you know, it's interesting. And I think some of this comes down to agency by agency. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was seeing with RabbitMQ, uh, you know, there's um, an agency core shop solutions that was doing some great stuff using it um, as part of integrating. Awesome. Uh, third-party systems like ERP and mm -hmm. PIM. Um, and, yep. and so, you know, just thinking about, oh, well, now you have this thing installed. It's there. Mm -hmm. Now, how are you going to utilize it um, yeah. and benefit from it? And, you know, what version are you using? And what, like, there's this bigger conversation. I think part of the challenge that, that's happening there um, that I'm trying to get a handle on myself is I don't even know if the merchants themselves, the e-commerce managers, the website owners, the business owners whatever size, you know, whatever VPs or things, you know, mm -hmm. large organizations. I don't know if they even understand what RabbitMQ is or that they have it. It's because it's it's native and the developers, you know, right. will usually use the open source version. They're usually not going for, you know, for like an enterprise paid version for this yeah. use case. And so it's just there. And because nobody really even thinks about it, they're not thinking about how else can I leverage this and utilize this. Uh, it it kind of gets lost in the process. So, I think that the, sometimes circling back to thinking about, okay, well, this is now um, going to be part of the stack and let's think about, you know, how we should be utilizing it as we, you know, as we build. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes those kind of things get, get lost. I, I agree completely that <laughs> underutilized. Yeah. And that's why it's it's so important that 
uh, developers just learn this stuff because again, it should be transparent to merchants. They shouldn't, merchants should not have to even almost ever hear the term RabbitMQ. It's just that developers, in my opinion, should know that RabbitMQ is there available. That should be part, my opinion, that should be part of every hosting stack, i.e. when it's going to be used. I mean, I'm sure in some cases it would never be used, so it doesn't need to be, but you know, developers should be pushing for that, asking for it. Hey, this is important. This is what I'm going to be using. Um, and it's it's not even a conversation point, at least with the merchant. It's just something the developer does. Everything that they put into the software, if it takes processing, it's going through RabbitMQ. Um, unless it doesn't make sense, but it's just using that all the time. It, I, I I totally agree. And and to be frank, that's that's where it comes down to. I I've seen it so many times. Uh, I've seen some case studies for other shopping carts and. Well, and probably presumably Magento too, and they talk about how what a failure this other shopping cart, this other e-commerce platform was. And in reality, as you dig into it, it, w- it was the agency that was the failure. Um, it was the developers that were that were that were struggling or maybe in over their head. It had less to do with the platform itself. And so that's where this continued education, this continued learning, even if the platform is somewhat subpar, like even if it could use some help, I find over and over it's the developers. And ultimately, the umbrella over them over them is the agency that makes the difference in almost every case. We know, you know, one of the things that I I do here, we have kind of this Magento matchmaker program, and mm-hmm. uh, it started off as something that we we help our existing clients with. That they'd say, "Hey, um, I've outgrown the freelancer I was working with, or I need to go from M1 to M2. I have in-house devs. Uh, we need more than that to get through this project. Who can you recommend?" And we basically thought about, well, you know, who's doing really good work in our network? Who uh, do we have really happy mutual customers with? Because at the end of the day, you know, that's what counts. We know that in terms of our uh, attrition rate, that while it's extremely low, that the clients that we lose, we don't lose them to other hosts. We lose them Mm. because they had problems uh, that couldn't be resolved in a way that was reasonable for them, in a way that made them satisfied, and they they decided to abandon the platform. Um, and f- so, for us, we have this vested interest in working with great devs and making sure that they're getting well educated and that they're staying at the top of their game, um, just like we have to on our side. And we have to meet in the middle and communicate really well and and work together and not kick the can solve whatever issues are arising. Uh, And I think that that's that's such a crucial part of of these situations that's often missed. It's it's not that the platform can't or couldn't or, you know, the number of times that I got my hands on a project uh, that someone else had started and I needed to tell the website, the business owner, I think that you should start over because, you know, (laughs) this thing is so off book. Um, it is yeah. so upside down when we think about best practice that I don't know when the bleeding will stop in terms of piecemeal trying to reverse engineer and fix this one piece at a time. Uh, and they're done that. Yeah, it's a painful conversation to have. It is. Um, you know, you're, you're bringing somebody bad news. Nobody wants to hear that they drop thousands and thousands of dollars into something that um, that, that you think you know they should abandon, um, but you know, better than the opposite than, you know, go, getting months into it with them and having them still be oh, yes. unhappy and what have you. So, you know, at least they got a clear answer. But but this is, but that wasn't because it couldn't have been done well. It was because 
you know, whoever. And, and I've even seen it where it's from a big agency, but something is outsourced or there's there's kind of the A team <laughs> and, yep. and, and there's the D team. And well, you yes. didn't get the A team on this, did you? Uh, I think that, you know, those things happen. And some of them, you know, there's an amount of understanding that, uh, you know, employers can put a lot of of best practice into place themselves in terms of quality assurance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes something can slip through. I think that through the years that those that oh, have been in yeah. the industry longer, they've got more best practice to catch a lot of that code review mm-hmm. and, and other things happening. But, uh, but I think that that is a lot of the challenge, uh, you know, that anyone listening to this can appreciate that. I think everybody's seen at this point or heard of a project that went South and not just with Magento, this could be with, you know, name your platform, you know, pretty much anything, <laughs> anything, yeah. in any platform, people switch, you know, big commerce or hire a developer today and, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Maybe you get a good one. Maybe you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, it's, it, I, I, I really believe it's more about the, the developer, the agency, and ultimately how much the agency invests in the developers, the quality of the developers that are hired that really makes or breaks the relationship and the perspective or view of a platform. There's there's people switching from Magento to Big Commerce because they don't like something about Magento. There's people about switching from Big Commerce to Magento. Like it's that's that those changes are real, but I think a lot of it is affected through training, through information. So developers say aren't saying no, this is not possible. They're saying here's how it is possible. Mm-hmm. And the more experience they have, the faster it is to possible the faster it is to be able to implement this change to solve this problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, sometimes my challenge is when I hear that somebody got sold something by someone uh, who, you know, obviously was looking to make a sale, which is reasonable. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's got to eat, but they weren't necessarily experts in helping someone through that decision. So they knew one platform, like there are teams that really only work with Magento Commerce and that's what they're going to push. Uh, they're not going to mm-hmm. tell you that, yeah, you could do that for a fraction of the price using Magento open source. Uh, you know, you'll get the same where somebody will say, oh, you know, we're going to take you on to Shopify. You're going to have a great time. But they haven't really pointed out the fact that you're going to need to write custom apps. Uh, you're going to be bottlenecking with some of the tools that you're going to be using that that this yeah. isn't really made for your use case. And next thing you know, you're coming back. We deal with the same where people get sold on Magento Commerce Cloud and eventually make their way back. Uh, for you know the layers of support and, uh, and and customization and what we're able to deliver in terms mm-hmm. of flexibility and scalability and it's it's apples and oranges. It's not that these it's not that Shopify or Magento Commerce Cloud or um, you know or this or that aren't you know Magento Open Source Magento Commerce. These are good f- for a lot of people and a lot of use cases. The question is always: Is it the right decision for you? Um, mm-hmm. And finding, uh, you know, finding a, a reliable consultant that understands the nuances, that knows the differences, and that will guide you, not because they're trying to hit a partnership quota, not because they they have some other, um, you know, some other business need, but um, you know, because that's what they're being paid to do. That they work for you. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's a lot of of the the challenge I find in the market because when people get guided towards something solid that really is a good match, um, you know, it's it's a good fit. I love when I see people that are really going to get value out of the Magento Commerce license go to Magento mm-hmm. Commerce. And I feel terrible when I see someone that I see sold on it that is just tying up revenue that should be going to marketing and growth and other things when they're really yeah. not using the features. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I, I t- couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I should probably start to wrap up. Uh, you've been really <laughs> generous with your time today. <laughs> um, well, and I've probably fun. done a little more talking than I do in some episodes because I get jazzed up about Magento and the Magento community. But any well, I final words of in- wisdom? I was going to say, I need the help in knowing what to say and all that. So I do appreciate you, you guiding me there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I think you held your own just, just fine. Um, but uh, anything that, that you want to add before we, uh, we wrap for the day? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, <clears throat> I guess if I would say always, I would say if there's developers listening to this, uh, swiftotter.com slash survey, I am looking for to get all the information I can about uh, local environments, all that stuff. And because again, my goal is to empower developers and I do that through a number of ways, but want to empower developers to uh, help them be successful. We talk about training, all that stuff, because if, if, yeah, I won't, I won't repeat all that, but yeah, there's empowered developers, uh, is, is, is the name of the game and it's absolutely well, critical. Maybe when you get all the data, we'll do a short episode and, uh, and dive through it or we'll get, you know, Pretty we'll fun. twist yeah. your arm into writing a blog article or something. We'll get the information yeah. out there to our listeners. Cause that sounds really, uh, I love information like that. I find it to be really it's insightful critical. and impactful. Yeah. Well, critical. Thank you for joining. Um, thank you. you know, really, really appreciate it. This was fantastic to our listeners as always. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll have more great content like this for you shortly. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy sailing out there. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it, and more importantly, we appreciate you.